You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Amen. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles this morning. Matthew chapter 13. And love that song. Thank you so much for that. Matthew chapter 13 in your Bibles today. I'm excited uh, today. We've got a baptism right after the morning service. Brother Jordan Lane's getting baptized today. So that'll be an adventure. I'll we'll have a good time with that. And, uh, and then we've got uh, the McEwen family joining our church this morning as well. So we're super excited about that. And, uh, and also... Uh, if you are one of the folks that do the, the new desktop wallpapers each month for our theme, uh, of course our theme, if you've seen it on our bulletin and everything, 24-7, living a Christ-centered life, and we're just changing some things each month to keep it fresh, and uh, so the new ones are on the website now for the month of March, if you want to do that for your iPhone or your Apple Watch, your desktop, your iPad, whatever, those are all on our website, and you can download those there if you have any questions, see Brother Josh Weldon about that, the guy who just sang, okay, and uh, we'll get you set up with that. Matthew chapter number 13, <clears throat> we're in the, the parables of Jesus, and we're already in our sixth lesson on this, and uh, today we're looking at the tares and the wheat, the tares and the wheat. And uh, if you're not familiar with that word, tares, we'll explain it in a few minutes what that means. And, and uh, this is kind of one of the more famous parables that Jesus gave. And again, just to remind you that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Is Jesus using a story that, that, that people could relate to to, to teach spiritual truth. And uh, last week in, in Matthew chapter 13, though we used a parallel passage in the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, we see that, that this parable that we're looking at today followed immediately after the last parable. So we looked last week at verses 1 through 23 about the, the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil. Well, Jesus is going to use a similar analogy here, and or similar imagery, I should say, and uh, use agriculture as a means of teaching a spiritual truth, which would have been, of course, using agriculture would have been something right up uh, the alley of, of Israelites in that day. So let's look down here at Matthew chapter 13, verse number 24. Another parable <clears throat> put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened. So now he's, he's likening the kingdom of heaven unto something here on earth. Unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath then, uh, then hath it tares? Didn't you only put good seed in? So how did the tares come up? <clears throat> he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, or no, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together, until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, 
Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we're looking at this parable here today, and this parable is similar in many ways to the other one, to the last parable we looked at, but also about this parable, what's similar to the last one, is the fact that Jesus interprets the parable for us. So look down, if you would, at verse 36. So he tells a couple more parables, and then in verse 36, then <clears throat> Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. So, Lord, can you explain what you meant by that? Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So, in the previous parable, we were sowers of the seed. We were sowers of the word of God. We're supposed to be spreading the word of God everywhere. And God was the sower. Jesus was the sower. The Holy Spirit was the sower. But we as Christians are sowers of the seed. But now some of it has changed. In this parable, the sower is Jesus. He is the one sowing the seed. So he says here is the son of man in verse number 37. And uh, verse 38, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So let's just stop there and and imagine what he's saying. In, In the last parable, we are to take the good seed, which is the word of God in that parable, and spread it and give everybody the good seed, give everybody the word of God. That was what was supposed to be in the last parable. But now Jesus is just kind of changing it. He's saying, also the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. The son of man is sowing. What's he sowing? His children. Where? In the world. So Jesus is putting people all over the world. There are believers right now across the world meeting in churches and worshiping God. And amen, I'm thankful for that. That God did not just put all the believers in North Long Beach. Right there, there are believers in Long Beach and other churches. Unbelievable that they go to a different church, but still, uh, no. But there are people all over the world right now worshiping. God has put His people all over the place. But look what it says here. But the tares, verse thirty-eight, are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So keeping that in mind, realizing, okay, so Jesus is sowing the seed. The seed is his children into the world. Our enemy is the devil, but the devil comes and sows his seed, his children, into the world also. And it's intermingling and mixing with the children of God in the world. But at the end of the world, when it's time for the harvest... The angels are going to come, and they're going to separate. And though whereas you may be fooled here on earth as what is wheat and what is a tare, when it comes to the end of the world, there will be no fooling God and his reapers. There will be a separation. So as we look back at what he was saying, we're going to look back at those first verses now that we kind of understood the parable a little bit and go back in a second. But we're going to look at this morning at the tares and the wheat. But let's pray together. Father, bless us now today. We need your help to understand the word of God. Holy Spirit, we need you teaching us today from your, from your word. I pray that you'd help us, God, as it's cold outside and warm inside and sometimes it's easy to get a little drowsy. Lord, I pray that we'd still keep the passion and fervor and thirst for God that we ought to have when we come to church.
God, I pray that we would come hungry today to the house of God to be fed with the bread of the word of God. I pray that you'd help us this morning to be listening to what you have to say to us today. Because I believe fully that you want to speak with us. So we pray for your blessings upon the message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. God had sowed the good seed, but he's got an enemy. And you've got an enemy. We've all got an enemy. It's the same enemy. The devil is the enemy. He's the enemy. Look, he comes and he sows the seed and and goes his way. Again, last week we saw the devil will step on you and not care about you whatsoever. He will trod you down on the wayside like the previous parable. And now he comes and he's sowing the tares. And then he's just going his way because he doesn't care. He's just there to sabotage anything that God wants to grow and anything that God wants to build. The the devil wants to sabotage Gethsemane Baptist Church because I believe God wants to continue to grow and build Gethsemane Baptist Church. And God has done some great things in our church even through COVID. We have seen people joining and God is doing things and people are getting saved. And the devil doesn't like that. So what's he going to do? He's going to try to sabotage. That's what he's going to, he always does. You say, well, when, when did he start that? God sowed two seeds in a garden at the beginning of time. And what did the devil do? Man, he showed up real quick. Showed up real quick to sow some seeds of doubt. To sow some seeds of, uh, uh, of disillusionment. To sow some seeds of, hey, you're missing out on something. And, and what happened? Well, the fall of man happened. And now the devil's just sowing more and more seeds everywhere he can. Notice, though, that it's sown secretly. Nobody's watching except God. He comes when nobody's watching, while men slept. But God saw him. God knows what's going on. Verse 25 also says there, what did he, what did he do? He sowed tares. Tares are a plant, and in just a few minutes, I've got a, I've got a picture of it to show you. Uh, but uh, tares are a mimicking plant. They, they mimic. They, they, they look the same. They act the same as wheat. But it's dependent upon the same things wheat is dependent upon for survival. And so when it is sowed amongst wheat, you really have a hard time distinguishing what is the tare and what is the wheat. And we'll see in a minute why that is important. But what what are we supposed to take away from this other than the fact, the obvious fact there? That there are, if there is a plant here that looks exactly like wheat but cannot be eaten, it looks the same. I mean, if you, if you Google this, it even behaves the same way as wheat does. It looks the same, it acts the same, but it's not the same. I think it's easy to make the application to the Christian in this world and say there are a lot of people that claim the name of Christ that look the same. There are a lot of people that claim to know Jesus Christ that, that maybe even act the same as people that truly know Christ, but only you and God really know. Only And sometimes only God knows because I think some people are so deceived about their own condition. And really, we ought to take stock. If you never have, really stop to say, God, am I really saved? If you've never stopped to say, Lord, let me go back in my mind to my salvation and find out, is my faith in Christ really real? Or is my faith in the church? Is my faith in the pastor? Is my faith in the Sunday school teacher? Is, the, is my faith in what my parents said I did when I was a kid? What's my faith in? Because we can look the part and act the part and behave the part and be lost. We can. It's possible. It happens. 
And so we have to make sure that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are the true deal, the real deal, that we, are, that we know Jesus and our faith and trust has been put in him alone for salvation. So I want you to notice several things this morning. And I don't know, it, it, has it, let me just ask this. I don't normally like to ask all this when I'm getting started, but is it too warm out there? Who says pastor is just right? Is it just right? Anybody too cold? Oh, the ladies over here. I'm sorry, ladies. You got outnumbered big time. How about who's too hot? Anybody? Me, Jeff, and two other men. That's it. All right. All right, we'll leave it how it is. It is boiling up here. Ladies, you're invited to the platform. It is smoking hot up here right now. If you want to come up, you can. It's, it's, you just have a seat in the, in the, in the orchestra pit over here. It's, it's warm, but it's okay. As long as you're good, I'll be okay, all right? I want to give you a couple of thoughts this morning about this parable. So we hear these parables. What, it, what does it mean to us? What do we take away from it? Number one, I want you to notice the positioning of the tares. Notice the positioning of the tares. It says here that, that at the end of verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So God, Jesus is sowing his children in his field. What does it say the field is? Later on, it says it's the earth, not the church. It's, it says the world. Now, we know the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. You know who this world belongs to? Jesus. That's who, oh, well, but the Bible says, you know, the devil is the prince of this world. The Bible says the devil is the prince of this world, but not this world. Say, so, what do you mean? The, the, the evil system of corruption, the devil owns that. That's his. This earth belongs to Jesus. He doesn't, God owns this earth. God decides what, God owns the sun. God owns the stars. God owns the universe. God decides those things. The devil's not in charge of anything. The, the devil is, is ruling what he created, this wicked system of, of the world system that we're living in that, that's causing disruption and, and sowing seeds of wickedness. But, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that. So the devil came and sowed his seed in a field that isn't his. He, he came and sowed in God's uh, field. Why? Just because he hates God. Because he wants to hurt God. Because he wants to do anything he can to get back at God. That's what he's doing. It's not his field, but he's... And by the way, the devil sows in the church, too. What does God love? God loves the church. God loves us. We are the church. So what does the devil do? He sows seeds here. He sows discord. He sows anger. He sows bitterness. He sows disunity. He sows schisms. He sows anger. He sows lust. He sows everything he can to try to hurt the people of God in the church. Because if he hurts you, he hurts God. Because God feels what you feel. God knows what you go through. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to hurt people. So what is he doing? He's positioning his tares in places to hurt God and to hurt you. We need to be aware of this. We need to be aware there's an enemy that is specifically trying to hurt you. I mean, specifically trying to hurt you. You know, it always amazes me, you know, at our, our house over here. And even in the parking lot of church, you'll see sometimes cracks in the cement and I see it around my house too in the driveway there. Anytime there's a tiny crack, you know what comes up? Weeds. Every time. We've got a backyard full of marijuana leaves. You would not believe. 
How do you think this church keeps going, folks? No, I'm kidding. But uh, we've got, but we, we, every time, I'm just kidding. Every time you see a tiny little crack, there's just weeds coming. And sometimes it's so much you think, that is just impossible. It is impossible. How could that even happen? But they find a way, right? In, in, the, in, the, in the worst places, right, they, they always seem to find a way to sprout up. You know, the devil has planted seeds, but I want you to also notice the positioning of the wheat. He positioned the tares, but, but, but you, did you see that God positioned the wheat? It says that God sowed the seed. Now, the soil is the earth, and there's all types of soil all over the earth. There's the stony ground. There's the, there's the thorny ground. There's all those like we looked at last week. And God is just casting the seed out. But you know what that means? God is putting you where he wants you. God is placing that seed where he wants you. So where has God put you? Well, here. God's put you here. So what I want to encourage you to do is to bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Bear fruit here. You know, don't, don't keep one, one foot out the door and one eye on the open road. I know California gets, you know, raised all the time, but can I tell you, it's not roses all over the United States except for California. Go move to New York City if you want. I mean, there are other places that are bad too. Everyone's down on California all the time. Hey, it's rough all over. There's no perfect environment. Florida can look like this peaceful haven of, of wonderful, like, you know, a, a, a political rest. And all. No, it's rough all over. And if God planted you in Long Beach, bear fruit in Long Beach. If God planted you in Bellflower, bear fruit in Bellflower. If God planted you in, in, in Carson or Torrance or Compton or Watts or, or, or Paramount or Lakewood or Signal Hill or wherever else around here, bear fruit. Because God put you where you are. Amen? Amen. The first thought is, hey, the positioning of the tares. God has positioned, I think of Esther. He said, to, uh, Esther said, uh, 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 Mordecai said to Esther, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In other words, Esther, you were put there by God to do something. Do your job, Esther. Hey, you were put here by God. Do your job. You've been positioned. I want you to notice the poisoning of the tares. The poisoning of the tares. The word tear is the word darnel, um, or it's called poison darnel. It's a plant. It's a type of ryegrass. So what's that? I don't know. It's a type of ryegrass that I, I read on Google, all right? Uh, but it's found in wheat fields. This is where you find this type of grass, which often hosts a fungus intoxicating to human and animals. So that's what uh, a tear is. It's a type of ryegrass. It looks like wheat. It's found in wheat fields, but it, it has a fungus on it, which is intoxicating to humans and animals. It's a toxic plant. I don't encourage you to go find some tear and start eating it, all right? Well, I want to get a little intoxicated. I, there, there are, I was going to say there's better ways. No, there's not. There's not better ways. Don't do it, all right? But, but don't use the darnel. It's toxic. It, it, it produces a drunken nausea. It can be fatal to you. So that's what it is. It's a mimic weed. Now, we have a picture here. And we flip that and show that next picture. Okay, so one of these is wheat, and this is just like the little stem on the plant. So the plant's really long and grows up, and if you've seen wheat, you know what wheat looks like. And, 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 and so this is wheat, 
and darnel, wheat and a tear, okay? They look very similar. Look at the size of it compared to the hand. Imagine just a ton of those on the same shaped plant. It would be very hard to tell apart. And do you know which one is which? Which one is the wheat? Okay, all right. Somebody paid attention in herbology or whatever class it was, okay? Yeah, on the left, that's the wheat. The one on the right is the tear, okay? And, and uh, so th they do look similar enough that if they were full in a field, how would you go through and be able to identify every blade of that? It's a mimic weed, but it produces, it has this fungus that could be poisonous to human beings. I mean, get the picture of what Jesus was saying there. The devil is just poisoning, poisoning what God is trying to do. He's constantly sowing seeds to us that are poisonous. Uh, he, he, it could be a person that's poisonous that is a child of his that he puts in your life. It could be something, uh, uh, worldliness is a poison to us. Procrastination and laziness is a poison. Pride is a poison to us. Sin is a poison to us. Bitterness is a poison to us. And he's, and he's sowing those seeds. He's sowing those seeds among us. And I wonder today, you know, you think about it, the devil's trying to pollute you. He's trying to poison you. I mean, he'll use your TV. He'll use your cell phone. He'll use people at work. He will use anything to poison you. People at the gym, people at church. He's got people on the inside. And he will poison you. That's, that's what it's saying here. It, it, he's sowing the seeds of poison amongst the wheat. And I wonder today, has the devil been sowing something in your heart? The seed's been planted, and it's starting to sprout a little bit. And there's some poisonous things coming up in your life, and it's, to, and it's starting to destroy you a little bit. Hey, we need to get rid of that. Get rid of it. Years ago, it was on a Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, we always have a, uh, a Super Bowl party. Really, to me, I don't even care who played this year. It was, uh, who was it? Brother Jeff, who won this year? I don't remember. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. The Chiefs. All right. Oh, all of a sudden a fan, Miss Renee. Okay, good. All right. But I'm just kidding. Well, we had the, it was the Chiefs and some other team. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I was just, who, oh, Eagles, that's who it was. I was excited about the fact that my wife every year just throws a Super Bowl party. And a couple years ago when my Buccaneers played, I was, I was very excited about it, right? But uh, w every year we have this party, and, uh, the, and it really is just our family and a, just a whole bunch of food, right? And so that's what makes it amazing. Well, we had nachos that, uh, that day, and uh, it was like super nachos, you know, had a bunch of stuff on it. And we had a bottle of green salsa, Erdez green salsa, I don't know how you say it, that's how I say it. And, uh, and it's good stuff. See some of you mocking my accent. You know what? Let's crank that heat up 5,000%. No. But, uh, we, uh, but so my, my wife was making it. And look, I'm, I don't think, I don't think my wife was trying to kill me. I don't think. Well, here's what the, the police said. I have no proof. So that's what they said. But what happened is, we had, so we had the plate of nachos, and my wife took out the salsa, green salsa, and put some only on my plate, only on my nachos. And later that night, I became violently ill with food poisoning. Food poisoning. 
You know, it was a long time ago, my wife, when I looked on, I looked, we used to have a DVR like years and years ago, the thing where you record shows. And I looked on there one time, and it said, these shows had been recorded, Wives with Knives. Scroll down, How to Kill Your Husband and Get Away with It. That's a TV show? It's like step-by-step guide to murdering your husband by green salsa at the store. She was just messing with me. But uh, yeah, so I got, I got food poisoning. Now, nobody else had the green salsa. I had the green salsa. I paid dearly for the green salsa. How many of you ever had food poisoning? Oh, isn't it fun? Isn't it so fun feeling like someone stabs you in the stomach? Isn't it just amazing having the fever and, and curling up like a, in a little ball all night long? It's wonderful. Chipotle has given it to me twice. They love me so much. But anyway, that's how dumb I am. I still go back. I'm like... Come back to me, don't leave me. I'm just so stupid, you know. But uh, yeah, so I got to tell you, that's not fun. Poisoning is not fun. The Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. How much leaven does it take to ruin it, to, to leaven the whole thing? It takes just a little bit. How much poison does it take to ruin your meal? If I grabbed a glass of water and put a teaspoon of bleach in it, pushed it across the table to you, Oh, that's not, that's nothing. I'll, I'll drink. What? No, I, you think about a little, any poison is too much poison. But how much poison are you comfortable with in your life? How much poison are you okay with coming through your cell phone? How much poison are you okay with coming through a TV screen? How much poison are you okay with coming from somebody that maybe doesn't even know Christ? They're influencing you. How much poison are you okay with? Because the devil is sowing seeds trying to poison you. How much bitterness are you okay with? Hope it's none. How much sin are you okay with? How much hatred? How much disobedience are you okay with? How much pride are you okay with? How much unkindness are you okay with? My uncle was in Vietnam, and in Vietnam they had an herbicide they would spray over the fields called Agent Orange. Agent Orange, my, my wife's Uncle passed away a year or two ago from from effects from Agent Orange. He had Parkinson's because of it. My uncle passed away of cancer because of Agent Orange. It it was what they were trying to poison the plants, but end up poisoning themselves. And of course, the government had to pay for that. But but uh, that was what was happening. And I want to encourage you today: don't be poisoned by this world. How much poison are you okay with? And I hope the answer is none. (laughs) But we see the positioning of the tares. We see the poisoning from the tares. But thirdly, I want you to notice the punishment of the tares. The punishment of the tares. Look, if you would, at verse 39. Matthew 13, 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend every stumbling block, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now the good part is what happens to the wheat. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And it says earlier that that the the, the, the wheat will be gathered into the barns of the owner thereof in the the previous part that we read a little bit ago. 
in verse number 30. What we see here, the, the punishment of the tares to me is it's grim and it's sobering to consider what Jesus is saying here. You know, there are religions, mainly cults, but religions that say that hell is not real. And I would say to them, read your Bible. Hell is real. When you look at what the description is, is here, they cast into a furnace of fire. There should be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Look, we're not going to know who the tares are while we're on this earth. We, we can't look into the heart of somebody and say, oh, they're saved and they're not. You know, we can look for evidence, but, but we do not know. But there is coming a day of judgment. And what we need to realize is the whole course of human history is leading to judgment. The whole course of human history is leading to judgment. Everyone will be judged. And not by one another. You will stand in one of two judgments. You will either stand as a saint at the judgment seat of Christ where your sins have already been forgiven and now you're being rewarded for what you did on earth or you will stand as a sinner at the great white throne judgment where God is going to judge your works and find out did you make it to heaven and the answer is no because you can't work your way to heaven. Those are the only two judgments. One is for wheat, one is for tares, one is for saints, one is for sinners. One is for saved. One is for lost. That's it. That's the only two judgments that will happen at the end of this, uh, at the end of this world. And you can't get out of it. Verse 30 says, uh, that we look back at verse 30. They said, shall we come and gather the tares? And, and, and the Son of Man said, no, don't gather them up because you'll tear the, re the wheat out too. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn, into my father's house. You know, it's amazing. Jesus is saying, as long as you're on earth, there's going to be tares among the wheat. You cannot get all the evil out. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try in our own lives, but not until Christ separates those two Will there ever be that separation? Look, even if we pass laws, there will still be evil. Even if we do, like, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm for government uh, passing good laws that we agree with. Unfortunately, that's not happening right now in our state. But you, but you, cannot, legis you cannot legislate righteousness. You cannot legislate salvation. And what I'm saying is the answer is not in our politicians. The answer is in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And as long as we're on this earth, we're going to have to put up with the fact that there's going to be wheat among the tares. We don't like it. I prayed this morning, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Just come back. Get us out of here. Verse 42, there shall, cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's describing the horrors of hell. One commentator said, the furnace of fire denotes the fierceness of the torment. The wailing, crying, screaming signifies the anguish this causes. The gnashing of teeth is a graphic way of expressing the despair that comes without remedy. Another one said, hellfire, wailing and gnashing of teeth, declaring the remorse of conscience. Why didn't I say yes to God? Why didn't I repent? The remorse of conscience, the tortures of the mind, going back and remembering the opportunities they had to be saved. The sense of inexpressible pain and punishment. 
the wicked shall feel. Also their furious rage and despair. And I read this story recently and it just kind of blew my mind. In 1560, that was a long time ago, before America was founded, right? In 1560 in China, in, in, a, in a place called Bayang, I, I don't even know if I pronounced that right, but it was a coal field in this, in this place called Bayang. Um, there was a fire that spontaneously ignited in this coal field. In 1560, that fire started. And you can Google this. The fire burned for 400 years. 400 years in this coal field. They finally put it out in 1997. It started in, in 1560. They finally put it out in 1997. It had consumed 127 million tons of coal. And it burned an area covering 8.5 million square feet. It's a long time to burn. It's nothing compared to how long hell will burn. Hell burns for eternity, never ends, no escape, always there. Thankfully, the Lord gave us a way out of that. I don't know how many of you would know the name W.C. Fields. He was an actor in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. He was a comedian. You'd probably know his face, maybe if you saw him. When he was, on his, when he was getting ready to die, a friend visited W.C. Fields in the hospital, in his hospital room, and he found him thumbing through a Bible. And his friend said, what are you doing with the Bible? And W.C. Fields said, looking for loopholes. There's no loopholes, friends. It's one or the other. It's Jesus or it's you. It's, it's Jesus saving you, paying for your sins, or you trying to save you. And you can't save you. Only Jesus can do that. We better know that we're saved. Let's not be an imitator. Well, I went to church. That's not going to cut it. Well, I even read my Bible one time. That's great. Glad you did. Well, I even I prayed. I even put money in the offering plate. But did you ever come to Christ in repentance of your sins and come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I cannot get to heaven. I know what I deserve. But I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. To save me from my sins. That's the only way. It's the only way. I wonder today if we know somebody who needs to avoid that punishment. They need us to witness to them and share the gospel with them. We saw the positioning of the tares, the poisoning of the tares, the punishment of the tares. But last, I want to just say very quickly, the power of transformation. The power of transformation. While people are alive, there is still hope. There's still hope. There's hope for you if you don't know Christ. There's hope for friends. There's hope for family. There is hope for coworkers and neighbors. There is still hope. There's still hope. And God can do something miraculous. God can transform wheat or tares into wheat. No one else can do that. You can't do that. I can't do that. But God can do that. Jesus can transform tares into wheat, something poisonous into something profitable. Only Christ can do that. He can transform children of the wicked one into children of his kingdom. 
He can transform the sinner into the saint. He can do that. I read a story from a missionary. <clears throat> the missionary was preaching. He was a missionary to South Korea, he and his wife. Been there for years, had started a Baptist church in South Korea. And uh, this missionary was preaching in a halfway house to inmates who had been released in this halfway house in South Korea. At the end of his message, he preached the gospel clearly, and several of the inmates, a, several, a group of them, came forward to get saved in this South Korean place. One of the people that got saved introduced himself as Colonel Kim Chang Hup. And he got saved that day. Colonel got saved that day. He was a colonel, but now he was an inmate. When they were fellowshipping after the service there, they began to talk to him. They found out that the colonel was North Korean. And he was in prison because he was a North Korean spy sent to come to South Korea to cut off the head of the president. He was actually the leader of a group of spies that were sent. Well, he was caught and put in prison for many years. Finally released into a halfway house where he was being rehabilitated. When this missionary went and preached the gospel and he got saved. Work doesn't come easy for an ex-communist spy. And so the pastor of the church said, why don't you come be the janitor? Work in our church. The man attended faith. He got saved, got baptized, was there every Sunday. Completely changed his life. And he said, I've been promoted from the rank of colonel to janitor of the Baptist church. God is transforming lives everywhere. Let's not limit his power by not believing that he can do it for you and your family. He's transforming. He has the power. Let him do it. I want to ask you this morning, where has God planted you? And it's, if, if you're not from out of town, maybe it's here. Then I want to encourage you, produce fruit here. Get involved here. Serve here. Put some roots down here and decide, hey, I'm going to produce fruit where God planted me. Then I wonder, is there any poison in your heart? And, and, and you have to ask yourself, how much poison am I okay with? Let's get rid of it. I wonder who in our life needs to hear the gospel message so we can avoid the punishment of the tares. Who can God change the life of anybody if we come to him? And I wonder today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, boy, there's not a good fate waiting for you. And I would run to Jesus today. And I would say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm coming to you so you would forgive my sin. Make me a child of, the, of God as we sang things. Make me a child of your kingdom. Trusting in you alone to be my savior. Boy, if I wasn't saved, that's what I'd do. Father, I pray that you'd bless us today. We're going to have a baptism in a moment.